Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 397th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's riding a stampede of dinosaurs all across the timey-wimey multiverse. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week is Cliff Daigle, returning from his trip in Hawaii, aka at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we are both here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. Good to be back. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the stuff that happened. But before we do, I want to remind all of our listeners that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? Well, James, we're going to lead off with the Pioneer and Modern Challenges that went down this past weekend on the 7th and 8th. Then we're going to get into our top movers on paper and then top movers online. Segment four has our cards to watch. You and I have some awesome picks this week. And then segment five, we're going to finish up with Doctor Who. They spoiled a bunch more, previewed a bunch more commander decks for us. And there is a lot of awesome cards to talk about. So we got a lot to do. Diving right in here on Metagame Week in Review, we're going to take a look at the Modern Challenge on Magic Online from this Sunday, October 8th, 2023. This thing was taken down by a hardened scales list that I note only has two copies of the Ozolith and one of the Ozolith the Shattered Spire at this point, with two of the slots previously uh, allocated to those two cards being put into the hands of Agatha's Soul Cauldron, a deck that we've also a card that we've also seen showing up in black green Yogmoth decks as well as a variety uh, of other uh, brews that haven't quite top aided anything of significance yet. Very curious to see whether this thing will continue the fading price movement that has picked up over the last week or whether this constant uh, test pattern in modern will be able to buoy the card to a higher level than I previously predicted. Well, I think the big thing is going to be when does somebody figure out a new crazy-ass combination with it because the card, just every new creature ability that comes out, something ridiculous is going to happen, and I won't be at all shocked when something modern viable pops into play and just everybody goes nuts. I think that's what's going to happen with it. It's definitely not a issue of whether the card has enough synergy or interactions with other cards. As you said, there are only going to be more as time goes on. It's really about the shell that that is going to fit into having an overall good game against the existing meta and then floating to the top of these lists. I mean, so far, the the preeminent version of the Soul Cauldron lists is definitely the Black Green Yawgmoth that can show up in any given top eight on any given day. Hardened Scales, a little more rare uh, at the top of the tournament ladder, but does show up here and there and, and this time took down the whole thing. Second place was a Mono White Hammer Time list with four Amiria's Call, the Flip Land from Zendikar Rising, and two Forge Anew, a card that has Snap into place for most equipment strategies that are running white, both in modern and in EDH. Black Red Scam 
Constant Contender here in third, Shardless Rhinos in fifth, Green Tron in seventh, and another Rhinos list in eighth. Probably the two sexiest lists of the week, Blue-White Control making a rare appearance in fourth place in this top eight. Running four copies of the One Ring and two Lorien Revealed. Not at all surprising. I run a Esper control list in Historic. And one of the uh, nerfs that were released for Historic, I think it was just this morning, was for right. the One Ring getting having a tap cost added to its draw cards ability. So now you have to pay one uh, to use it. And... Orcish Bowmasters and Historic lost the ability to uh, trigger uh, when it comes comes into play. play. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the nerf is probably harder on Bowmasters than it is on the One Ring. In the control lists that want the ring, that mana is typically readily available. I'm usually playing that on mana five, six, seven, not on immediately on four. So I have a feeling it's still going to be viable. Uh, with the with the cast and cost there bowmasters i'm not so sure the other cool list in this top eight was mono black coffers four coffers three the one ring there and two stone of eric a card that has a lot of play against the existing meta yeah stone of eric in case you didn't catch up on the one ring is one mana for an artifact it's legendary if that matters but if a creature an opponent controls would die exile it instead two tap sack it exile target player's graveyard and draw a card it's nice to have something that completely hoses somebody else's uh, Yawgmoth combo deck and leaves yours completely intact. I realize they weren't playing Yawgmoth, but I just love the completely my deck is not affected level of sideboard card that this is. And I would imagine we'll see more of this uh, particular card coming up. Yeah, if you're playing Black Red Scam Mirrors and your stone hits before their stone, you're in pretty good position because it's got that Dothy Voidwalker thing going on. Between having Voidwalker in your deck and additional copies of Stone of Eric, you have a chance of locking your uh, graveyard-loving opponents out of play. And then the fact that you can exile their whole graveyard and go draw a card provides uh, additional upside. So uh, pretty sweet card in the existing meta that is increasingly uh, reliant on yard strategies. Over in the Pioneer Challenge on the Saturday uh, before this Modern Challenge, October 7th, we had Blue-Red Arclight back on top, and they were running four copies of Picklock Prankster, which is a card I have also seen in Historic in these lists, with the Prankster being used to get copies of Arclight Phoenix into the yard and then put an instant or sorcery into your hand, often in the case of Historic, Faithless Looting, because it's legal there, unlike in Modern. And... Given that they have that tech available to them here in Pioneer, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Prankster continue to hold that slot. There was also a blue-red Demi-Lich list that I saw doing well uh, in another tournament this weekend, and I think that you're going to see Prankster and Demi-Lich alongside each other for the foreseeable future. Red-White Tokens was in second here, running four copies of Knight Errant of Eos and three Imidane's Recruiter. If you've played any amount of Wilds of Eldraine draft, you'll know that that Recruiter is a pretty deadly card in the limited format, and I'm only a little surprised to see it showing up in this strategy in Pioneer. It's really disgusting, especially if you've gone uh, ways to put you know, a bunch of the Thopters into play, because that's what they want to do with PNLR. But the recruiter giving the bonus to power and the haste for only three mana, it's just backbreaking. It's up there with, uh, what's the goblins that do this? There used to be uh, eight whack. Yeah. So you have the different uh, goblins that would do this too. But this doesn't need any setup. It's just three mana. Get to work. 
I would imagine in the Pioneer list, the format is fast enough that you don't do train troops all that often. Uh, I would imagine that a lot of the time you're just trying to get the the permanence in play to give everything you just made haste and then right and then burst them down. But I mean, we saw a Hammer Time list that was running Emiria's Call as a land because they want to have that backup opportunity. If you need it, it's there. We've also got white mono-white humans with four Brutal Cathar, four Adeline, and four Coppercoat Vanguard out of uh, March of the Machine Aftermath. There was a blue-red arc light list, just like the first place list, in fifth. Black-red Sacrifice in sixth. I note running two Sir Ginger out of Wilds of Eldraine. Uh, not a card I predicted would show up in the Sacrifice list, but here we are. The Kinnon Tyvar combo list continue to evolve. I note that this one has four Kinnon, four Tyvar, four Rona. That's stock. And then four Luca Copper Coat Outcast, looking to use the minus on that card to sack a creature, in this case a two casting cost creature, presumably, so that they can go get one of two copies of Atraxa Grand Unifier as the only creature in the deck that costs more than two. Oh, snap. Is that what that... I was wondering... And I'm glad you know that. Holy biscuits, that's amazing. Yeah, and and Atrax is backbreaking enough in Commander. <laughs> in a in a down depowered format like Pioneer, by comparison, just nasty. It's been nasty in Standard all year, and it's nasty in Pioneer. There was a mono red list here in eighth, and then the other notable is a waste knot discard heavy brew here that has four waste knot three shielder the apocalypse and four liliana of the veil freshly printed into pioneer to really punish your opponent for not having a hand man oh man that is harsh shielder plus waste knot and discard they're playing a lot of the stuff you would expect you know the four thoughtsies couple duress but they're even adding in three go blank to exile their yard and then three of rankles prank because they don't care if they're discarding their own stuff. If they're making you just, you know, sack two creatures and discard two cards, that's everything Waste Not wants. And then you get those creatures back if they discard creatures. Mm. <laughs> I need to go build this deck. This looks like a lot of fun. I think if I was building anything for Pioneer right now, it would be this Kin and Tyvar combo list. This looks like hella fun. I mean, it depends on... I want to have all the fun. I want them to have none. So I'm going to play this Waste Not deck. But I see where you're coming from. It's got like a big value engine plus some infinite combo potential with Mox Amber and, and Rona. And and then getting a Traxa on the backside with a Luka is just gives you a whole bunch of angles to play with. And That's cool, yeah. Gonna make yeah. Going to make every game a little different. Moving on over to segment two, Top Paper Movers. We've got Sulfa Mayhem Dominus Borderless. Uh, not the oil slick notably out of all will be one going eight to ten twenty five this is probably imidane decks that's pushing this up imidane's not that high in the edh rankings but this is sulfim mayhem dominus i think is about a 70 or 80 percent inclusion rate in those lists so there's even though it's not the most popular commander if you're playing it you're buying this so not super surprised to see it getting a little motion grim hireling out of Commander Legends for Battle for Baldur's Gate. And I can't remember if it was main set or... I think it's actually in the party time deck, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Going 425 to 550, that's 30% gains. It's in 71,000 decks on EDH rec already. There's a whole bunch of combos with this card and a whole lot of value chains. And it, it it's made its way into at least three of my lists, I think, including Corvold and Brea. And a couple of other artifact-focused ones or treasure-focused ones. 
Ghoulish Impetus Extended Arts uh, continue their march upward due to Ariette being one of the top three commanders of the month, going 8 to 11 here, 38% gains. My pick from last week, Sneak Attack Confetti Foils out of Wildsville Drain Collector Booster Boxes, going 45 to 75. I think I called 40 to 80, something like that. And so people mopped up remaining copies. And I think part of what people are thinking uh, about Sneak Attack that I didn't mention last week is that it works pretty well in the dinosaur decks that are going to get built later this fall. Everybody's going to want to be putting their expensive dinosaurs into play for free. The dinosaur decks tend to be Naya. So there's going to be white, green, and red cards. And I've got a green-related card to talk about once we get to cards to watch. We've also got Nurgle's Rot, non-foils out of 40k, going 2 to 350. That's also an Ariette thing. We played against Ariette this weekend with the Pro Traders, and uh, it's a pretty fun deck that's relatively easy to tune up or down and results in relatively unique play patterns at the table, which I think is a good thing. Misleading Signpost Extended Arts out of the Wilds of Eldrain Commander card lists. $5 to $9, 80% gains. It's the third most played Wilds of Eldrain Commander deck card. 4,200 decks reported playing it already. It's in 3% of all blue decks since it was released. And it's very popular in all of the various blue-black fairies lists that people are putting together because a lot of them want you to be casting things on your opponent's turn. Uh, or causing havoc in general, as fairies are wont to do. The misleading <laughs> signpost has both flash and the ability to interfere with a combat step, and it's a mana rock. So it's it's ramp in a color in a color combination that has trouble with ramp. It's a flash card in a set of decks that wants that, and it messes with people, which is thematically appropriate. We've also got the original Living End foils, and keep in mind this has only had two foils ever. Uh, time spiral and time spiral remastered going 30 to 60 as the final sets of original foils have drained out on tcg player deck still doing well in modern it's you know a possibility to show up in any given modern top eight these days and only got better once they got access to the cycling basic cycling creatures from lord of the rings and as a result it has uh, been at the top of the heap and you're seeing you know a smattering of players wanting to lock down their original foils and push the price up Finally, we have Mandate of Abaddon out of 40k. Foils going 3 to $7. Uh, that's got to be Surge Foils, I've, I'm assuming, since they tend to be the ones that make the yeah, moves. That's, that's the only foil version you can get of 40k at this point. Right. Uh, 11,000 decks on EDH Rec reporting this. I, I don't love this. This just looks like a continuation of the existing Surge Foils, and this particular card doesn't have a strong connection to any given one of the top commanders right now. So as with most of the Surge Foil stuff, you know, if you're holding decks, sell them or crack them and sell them as Surge Foils. If you're operating on TCG Player, you're in a position to do very well with that because many, many, many of the Surge Foils have shown gains over the last 6 to 12 months. And they never did reprint the the premium decks, thankfully, for the people that were holding. So they're in good position for the future. Yep. Sell it if you got it. So many cards have gone up. There's no point trying to hold on for more. Flipping on over to segment three, top Magic Online movers of the week, we've got Gemstone Caverns out of Time Spiral, going 2.98 ticks to 4.39. It's Shardless Rhinos in the Hardened Scales list in Modern that run this most often so that they can get an early acceleration into their the play the three-mana plays on turn two. 
that will allow them to, you know, potentially put two rhinos in play on turn two and challenge the opponent to have the right answers. We've also got Hidetsugu consumes all out of Neon Dynasty, 4.22 ticks to 6.55. That's 55% gains on the back of it being tech in both Pioneer and Modern in Red, Black, and Jundlis and a few other places where it has modes that affect small decks because it gets rid of permanents that cost one or less and also has a lot of effect on decks that are heavily reliant on the yard and then if you ever get to a chance to flip it into the backside you get a, a significant threat so it's got a lot of play for three mana and seeing increasing play given its positioning versus the metagame we also have demi lich as i uh, mentioned earlier worming its way back into blue red arc light lists in pioneer as a result this AFR card went 2.47 to 3.82 ticks, 55% gains, and I would imagine that may end up being the default archetype build for the foreseeable future. It does everything that that deck wants to do. It's going to be free after just a couple spells. So yeah, it should do pretty well in the longer term. I think, though, that considering how cheap it was, I would probably be ready to sell at this point, wouldn't you? Like Considering how dirt cheap it was as a mythic for the longest. I mean, it kind of depends on how well, if that deck consistently does well in Pioneer on Magic Online, then Demi Lich will, could easily push up into 10 or 20 ticks. If the Arc right. Light decks fade away, and again, as they, and this has been such a roller coaster build, right? right. Arc Light has been coming in, on several times. Yeah, Arc Light has been in and out of Pioneer over and over again. But Picklock Prankster is, is a major bonus for them because it gives them potential reach in, in the form of the, the creature side of the card and sets up the graveyard correctly so that they can go off. And and it's as with Living End getting a couple of key pieces this summer, Arclight has now gotten a couple of key pieces that help maybe push it back into the spotlight. So it's just a card to keep your eye on. If I, you know, at three point, just under four tickets, if I'm, you know, holding a playset or whatever, I'm probably not rushing to sell. I would, I would look to see what else is going on and because it wasn't like it was five cents to four dollars and it may fall back to five cents it was at like 250 heading into this so right all right moving on over to cards to watch i'm going to go with uh, another dinosaur focus card that i've noticed protators talking about here and there and it's pretty clear people have already been taking nibbles on various versions of it talking about monster manual which is a card from Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate, a set that continues, in my estimation, based on how many of the cards from it I have seen uh, make their way to our gaming tables for Pro Trader EDH, probably pretty underrated. Uh, this card included, this is a three and a green, so forecast and cost artifact. It's a adventure card, so it's got a front side called Zoological Study for two and a green, where you can mill five cards and return a creature card milled this way to your hand. Just a little added bonus. You don't really need it to do what this card wants to do, which is basically just become a green substitute for sneak attack. This is four mana to get into play, and then one and a green tap. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. It's an artifact, not a creature, so you can do that right away if you've got six mana, and that's going to get some big crazy dinosaur on the battlefield that your uh, opponents need to deal with real quick. And these have already been edging up foils back as far as January of this year were a mere $2. Now you've got like 10 listings left and a couple of the, the people selling clearly bought in at that lower level and now they're trying to get 10 bucks for them. We haven't even got to the dinosaurs yet. We don't even know which ones are going to be the most popular. So given that we're this far away from people building their Ixalan commanders, uh, decks, which is probably going to be mid-late November-ish. 
the Monster Manual foil extended arts are looking real good. Nobody wants to be opening AFR anymore. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's a considered toxic sealed product. And you're going to need several more cards like this to take off before they would consider doing that. So I think it's very likely that the foil extended art monster manuals are going to go from, say, 10 to 20 over the next six months or so. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, we've got analogous cards. You know, uh, the there's an Quicksilver Amulet does this, but it's four and four to do. So you're not really saving that much mana. You've got Elvish Piper, which will be four mana for a 1-1, one, one, but if it lives, you get the green tap and put something into play. This is an artifact, which makes it harder to kill. In many ways, it makes it uh, easier to... It's also quite easy to recur. You know, it's a permanent that you can get back. It's got the adventure built into it, which is just always a nice bonus. Uh, and like you said, uh, the Discord has twigged onto this card, and people have said, oh my god, how good is this going to be? And I agree with you. This is uh, absolutely a card that people will probably want to play in their dinosaur decks. And this is high on the list of cards where, like, I've got a dragon deck. Why aren't I playing this card? Because I wanted to play another dragon instead of this card. That's that's kind of how my brain works. But this is going to be a great way to do exactly what you said, cheat on mana, and just pop it into play. Uh, Monster Manual, does it say sorcery speed? Nope. So you can even pop it in there for shenanigans on somebody else's turn. <laughs> They're like, I'm coming in with this 2-2, and you're like, I put in Gashath. Don't ever trust anybody when this stupid thing is untapped and ready. Yeah. Nobody's your friend. For D&D fans, there's cool art on it, too. It's got, it's got a picture of a Beholder and a Tarrasque on there, which are two of the more famous monsters in D&D. I was going to say that Triceratops looks awfully weird, but you're right. That's the Tarrasque. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is a 2020 or whatever. There's 83 listings left for the regular copies, but you could certainly take a look at those. I would not be surprised to see those $5 copies end up in the $10 to $15 range as we get closer to Dino Madness. And uh, yeah, that's my first pick. How about you? My first pick this week is a Wild Devil Drain card that, you know, it's still in print and everything, but up the Beanstalk foils, uh, we're in for a wild damn ride with this card, and I think there's going to be a lot of money to be made on this. So right now you can get foils for just under six bucks, uh, five fifty last I looked, and you can still find a few in the five to six dollar range. So if you go looking, it's only listed in four thousand EDH decks, EDH rec decks so far, but that's really quick. And this is a surprisingly popular card in modern because of all the ways that there are to cheat on mana costs. And so. Uh, I feel like this is going to be an expensive foil. This is not. This is going to be up there with like um, uh, something of the wild, where one red green, your creatures can't be countered, and they have riot. Uh, Rhythm of the wild. Right. And it's going to be up there with the uncommons. And since it's an uncommon, there's no special version to chase. And until we get the secret lair version, which is a question of when, not if, I think. Uh, this is going to be such a popular casual card as well because it's only two mana. It cantrips immediately, and it does exactly what commander players want to do, which is play more big things, and it pays you off for doing it. So I think that this card going from 550 to 12 is it's inevitable. It's only a question of do they give us a secret layer of this in the next six months. Yeah, this has been on my radar. Uh, I think I snapped off some copies in the three to three fifty range uh, when it first started making waves, and it's done work in almost every game I've seen it cast in. It's so it's going to have a more or less constant home in four color Omnath uh, money pile in modern. The only thing that could really impact that would be if they went after Fury and or Solitude. 
uh, as we got closer to MH3. And I think part of that's probably going to depend on whether they're planning on reprinting those cards there because you can't reprint the elementals and then cancel them. That will not go over well. Yeah. I have seen some talk that it's grief that's the biggest problem these days in many people's estimation uh, to slow down Black Red Scam specifically and, and maybe leave Fury and Solitude alone and subtlety and endurance. Um, but I guess we'll see see how the, the format is shaping up as we get into next, you know, late winter and early spring and, and have a better sense of what needs to happen. So far, as much as the Black Red Scam deck is obviously dominant, we see that in this top eight, unlike one of the ones when you were gone where it was four of the top eight, it's only one of the top eight. And, and it does kind of tend to oscillate in that range. You're right. very unlikely to see a top eight without a Black Red Scam list. But it still feels like the format is wide open, wider open than any format I can remember that was this fun to play. So as much as I'm sure everyone is bored of getting furied and griefed, still seems like a great, <laughs> great format to me. And and as long as you can suck up your encounters with Black Red Scam, there's plenty of other fun to be had. So you're you're with me on this being ready to uh, to go up, even though it's an imprint uncommon? that's i mean that's the issue is that it's a it's an uncommon that comes out of a very popular set of cbs and the confetti foils are doing well that may lead vendors to opening pallets of wilds of eldraine as the late fall and winter goes on you know you could see the gaming company set a stake in the sand at 850 or something on these and drop 32 copies of it that'll take a while to burn out that kind of thing can definitely happen in the next few months and But if you were, especially if you play Money Pile and you're like, oh, you know, should I wait till later? Will they be cheaper? I don't think they're going to be cheaper later. Oh, no, they're never going to be cheap. They're never going to be cheaper. Like you said, the gaming company will set the wall relatively high. And and the thing about a $6 to $10 card versus a $60 card catching a reprint in a secret layer is there's only three or four cards on most secret layers. You know, the princess, awesome princess bride drop notwithstanding. So... If they printed a suite up the beanstalk, it's probably a ten to twenty dollar card. Yeah, because if they put that in a secret layer, it's unlikely that more than one of the other cards will be money as well. In which case, that thirty or forty dollar price tag is going to get mostly split between those two cards. And so, I don't really worry about reprints for cheap cards in a secret layer. They just become the new premium version of the card. You know, it's we've seen way more examples of very expensive cards that have lacked reprints getting destroyed. Once the secret layer printing arrives, right. when it's the best art and it's inherently cheaper just based on the cost basis of the product. All right. I'm with you. I'm glad you agree with me on this. Uh, tell me this other one. I'm, I've got a, a pertinent question for you once you're done talking. So Court of Garenbrig in an Atraxa game this weekend ended up making a creature that was 205, 205. <laughs> Alongside Virtue of Persistence and doubling season so i had quarter garen break virtue persistence and doubling season and the funny thing was i was playing my attract my second line attracts a build it wasn't my planeswalkers super friends build it was my creature counters matters build but i ended up with only a slippery bog bonder in play for like eight turns i didn't draw a creature in a deck that's like 60 percent creatures so i had stolen counters off something with a slippery bog bonder I think I think they had pacified Ari, the Ariette player had pacified my Atraxa, so she could neither attack nor block, and I couldn't find a way to kill her or sacrifice her. So she had five or six counters on her 
maybe more. Maybe it was ten, like 10 counters on her when the Slippery Bogbonder came in. The Bogbonder comes in, steals the counters from Atraxa, doubling season doubled them, and it also got two Hexproof counters for my trouble. And then over the course of the next few turns, Virtue of Persistence, Court of Garenbrig, and Doubling Season kept upping the ante on how many counters were on this Bogbonder, and my opponents kept having to like chump block it to keep it from killing them. As a guy that could use some trample. Yeah, exa- well, exactly. And so Court of Garenbrig did a lot of work, and I was did kind of exactly what you would expect it to do. I became the monarch immediately. Had I drawn any of my other creatures in my deck, I would have had no trouble whatsoever breaking through, especially if Atraxa hadn't been pacified, an effect that's fairly rare in a game of Commander outside of encountering Ariette. You know, I would have been repeatedly the Commander, which means that you not only put two plus one plus one counters divided between up to two creatures, but then if you're the Monarch, you double the number of creatures on each creature you control, on each creature you control. It's pretty disgusting. If you've got a Hardened Scales or a Virtue of Persistence or a Parallel Lives or a Doubling Season in play, then things tend to get out of hand pretty quickly. And it's doing everything folks clocked it to do. And of the Monarch cards, most of which I've played by this point, they're all great. But this one costs three, not four. And that makes it special because you can get access to the Monarch that much easier. So these uh, non-foil EAs are currently going for just under $8 on TCG Player. There's 27 listings left. That's not a lot for a card that just came out. And it has the same problem as the Up the Beanstalk because there is additional supply of Wilds of Eldraine product that's on tap and can be tapped to refill the market. But I don't see super deep pockets for for most copies of this. There's a Magic Singles Sip that has 28 copies at 850, and everybody else is onesie-twosie. So... It's already in, it's the second most played card in Wilds of Eldraine Commander, and if we're looking at the total copies that have been reported thus far, it's about 5,500 decks already. That's a very respectable total, and I suspect that this card will end up a couple years down the road being in the 30 to 50k range. That sounds, you know, really reasonable. We love putting counters on, we love doubling things, and we love the monarchy, so this is everything you want all in one. Uh, My question for you is... Uh, you've picked non-foil extended art. Did you? Did you? Uh, why? Why non-foils and not foils? Foils are about the same price, and they're at twenty-two listings. And I oscillated mm-hmm. between which of these two I would pick, and just ultimately went with the non-foils because lots of people in our our community believe that they sell better. Okay. In this particular case, they look like they're running pretty much neck and neck. And if you look at their price points on TCG Player, they've been right. more or less neck and neck. Ultimately, the backbreaker for me was it the the foils weren't carrying a price premium. Uh, the foils not being a notably higher price is really surprising. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you could I think you could honestly just go either way here, and you'll do fine. And I also think okay. the regular I think it's really a all of the versions will probably rise over time. Like the the regular version of this that comes out of the decks. We'll probably right. do well, do well as well because it's going to be the cheapest version. Uh, this the art on this one looks especially good in extended art, so there is that. Okay, I'm with you on all counts here. I uh, enjoy finding out why people have slightly different views on things, and this tells me it's also uh, notable that, uh, as I talked about in the math article, there are foil. I'm sorry, there's regular and then foil, 
and then extended art non-foil and extended art foil. So a lot of times with these commander cards, we don't have all four of those, but in this case we do, and they're all out of the com- they're all out of the uh, commander pa- the collector booster packs. Alrighty, tell me about your final selection here. My other pick this week, I mentioned if you read my articles that come out on Friday, but uh, like you t- were talking about, dinosaurs are on the agenda coming up, and uh, believe it or not, one of the dinosaur enablers that just kind of sneaks in there is Kahira the Orphan Guard, uh, who we see popping up sometimes in control lists for modern that don't have any creatures at all. And so, you know, it can be a companion. It's just an extra card lurking. But do you know the the creature types for Kahira off the top of your head? I run Kahira in Esper Control, so I should. It's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Cats, Elementals, which tends to be the only relevant type right. in modern nightmares dinosaurs and beasts all right you get full credit i knew cat elemental and beast and when i started looking up dinosaur cards this popped up and so i'm like this is going to be really great if you one of two things is going to happen they're either going to uh give us more awesome dinosaurs that fit into gishath uh the the sun's avatar which is almost everything you could ask for in a commander that has every creature of the same type in a deck. Or they're going to give us something better for dinosaurs. I don't know what that could be. It'd have to be something Ur-Dragon Eminence level of ridiculousness, which they completely could do. But anyway, if every creature in your deck is a dinosaur, Kahiro's a freebie. So, uh, and it gives all your creatures uh, 1-1 in Vigilance, and it's just a free card hanging out in your hand for a little extra mana. Halo foils were uh, a drop at a rate of 1 in 375 uh, packs, and those were collector booster packs that you had to open to get these. So these were a tough pull. I don't think there's a lot lurking around there. The price has fallen pretty far. There's a little bump recently. I think that's from Pro Traders hitting up my article. Uh, These were closer to $6 at the time, and now uh, they are available for around 8 but I think this is going to be a $20 card once people start building it. Right now, there are only 44 vendors for Kahira copies, and that's in all conditions. And I don't think... Oh, there's uh, five. There's only one person who has four or more copies available. So there's not a lot lurking. I don't think there's going to be a lot coming. And this should do well once we start going dinosaur crazy. The other thing is that though people think of this companion as being a control companion the because the blue white control list for instance typically don't have any creatures it's most prevalent at this point in four color money pile as we said because all of their creatures are elementals which is also disgusting which is a freebie for them free roll i mean the number of times they actually have to like bring kahira to hand and cast it is relatively low in that deck because they've usually got plenty to do on their turns. But I would also argue that anyone who can afford money pile is much more likely to fit into the demographic that would trick out their deck with foils because their deck is already worth some ridiculous amount of money. I think it's like $1,500 <laughs> in non foil. And they if you call can call af- it money pile for a reason. And if you can afford a $1,500 modern deck, you, you can probably afford the, th- the you know, two to $3,000 foil version. And especially since most of their cards are from an era where foils and non-foils are of roughly equivalent price. Like, if you're playing a foil legacy deck, that's a different story. Because, A, you can't foil the whole deck, because your your dual dual lands don't exist in foil. And 
B, a lot of your old border foils are, you know, from the from the old days are quite expensive. Guy's Cradle, etc. But Money Pile is all new cards. This everything in here, the one ring, up the beanstalk, leyline binding, Boseju, Prismatic Ending, Fire and Ice, Teferi Time Raveler, Run and Six, Solitude, etc. The the foils tend to be pretty close to the non-foil price, which makes it easier to do. And again, these are people that can afford expensive decks to begin with. So this is a this is a nice little pick on your part because it's got backing from a very popular, very strong, unlikely to lose its position modern deck. And the Halo Foils, as you said, are not that easy to pull. It's mostly slid in price, but has stabilized since release. And now we've got the Dinosaur Onslaught oncoming, and maybe that's going to help push it back. Uh, same as my Monster Manual pick. So I can't very well call Monster Manual and not be okay with Kahira. <laughs> you could if you wanted to. I'd be open to uh, some criticism on that, but good to hear. Good to hear. The, the other thing is... You can run this main deck in your dinosaur build, and it's not embarrassing, or it can be a companion. Right. You know, un- I would definitely be playing, if I'm not like 100% pure dinosaurs, I, I would have a hard time leaving this card out. Yeah. Because there are some really great uh, enablers for dinosaurs that you can play, and if you make the decision that you're not going to be dinosaur pure, then by all means, throw this in as your companion, throw it into the deck, but if you're pure dinosaurs, then it's a happy companion. It'll be in your 100 cards no matter what. It's tricky because you have to get rid of like Esper Sentinel and Discerning Financier and shit like that 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 doesn't line up if you want it as your companion. But again, not embarrassing in the 99 by any means. Uh, So yeah, I like that one. And inventory is not particularly deep. We can uh, slide on over here to the Doctor Who wrap up. It's funny because we were talking with with Ted Sloan last week as he was... Uh, kindly helping us out in your absence while you were on vacation. And by the time we got to October 3rd, we'd already established that there were plenty of interesting, fun-looking, great build-around and thematic cards in this this set of Doctor Who decks and the associated collector boosters that marked this product as being significantly better than people were assuming it would be. And now that we've seen the last few days, the, you know, Tuesday through Friday reveals that position has only been cemented. There is a ton going on in these decks. And if they end up selling relatively poorly because they are Dr. Who product, and there aren't that as many Dr. Who fans as say something like Lord of the Rings, then there's a pretty decent chance that the best of the cards from this set are going to be solid gainers. And it's something I've talked about with the Pro Traders a couple times over the last week, uh, including some best ideas content. It's a channel where we put up uh, especially useful information where I did a little math because they told us that the, the, what the drop rate was for the serial Doctor Who cards. Right. And, because each of the 12 Doctors is getting between 500 and I think 510 or something serials. So like the 10th doctor gets X of 510, the 7th doctor gets X of 507, etc. Right. So that adds up to a very specific number of total serials where you've got 6,591 that they're printing. They also told us that the drop rate for those was slightly less than 1%. So I put together a chart that showed from 0.005 drop rate to 0.009, which leads to there being somewhere between 61,000 and 110,000 collector booster boxes of Doctor Who printed, 
we can compare that to the numbers we already know for the holiday release of Lord of the Rings, where some of the math they gave us for that revealed that there has to be more or less exactly or very close to 125,000 boxes of that re-release. And right. when we and there was 278,000 of the initial Lord of the Rings collector booster box release, so 400,000 total. So even if there's 110,000 Doctor Who, there's still close to four times less of the Doctor Who CBs being printed than the Lord of the Rings, which suggests that Wizards is not confident in the Doctor Who uh, branding and knows full well that the market will be smaller. And as a result, we should be much more interested in paying attention to what the best cards are out of the Doctor Who products. I'm with you, yes. Because this we're, is... we're very much in, a, in an era where uncommon, rare, and mythic don't matter as much anymore. You, you need to know that times drop rate times total print run of product to get a sense of where you're really sitting. Right. And that's why I had to wait on the math of Doctor Who until I got back and they finished releasing all the stuff. Because then I'll be able to punch in based on where they are. Because some of these amazing cards are only uncommons. And so they don't necessarily have the same uh, crammed in their drop rate going on. And there'll be more details coming on Friday. So starting with October 3rd information, they showed us a War Room reprint, a Mind Stone reprint that has to be one of the sweetest art options for Mind Stone, where it's one of the Cybermen aliens out of Doctor Who. Its head's been ripped off and somebody's carrying it down a hallway, which is in an artifacts heavy deck that wants a Mind Stone (laughs) has to be one of your better options. Yeah, it's really awesome. We're getting some uh, a Lightning Greaves uh, reprint here. There's a pretty interesting legendary artifact called the Moment. It costs two. At the beginning of your upkeep, you put a time counter on it. Tap, Pay two and tap to untap target creature you control. It phases out until the moment leaves the battlefield. So it's basically one of... They've tried this a bunch of times where it's like you can save a creature and tuck it under right. an artifact. They've never really been worth it. Uh, and you haven't seen them played much. The The thing here is people might underrate this card because it has a sec- third ability that is pretty special. Three tap, destroy each non-land permanent with mana value less than or equal to the number of time counters on the moment. So if this you put this down early in the game in Commander and you get to the fourth, fifth turn after you've played it, it's going to have five counters on it and you can basically wipe the board and get back anything that you have saved along the way so it's like a nev's disc that can be potentially one-sided depending on how much spare mana you have to throw into this thing it's pretty neat to just hide away your stuff and tick down and then just make everything go boom it's pretty handy um the land really caught my attention the trenzalore clock tower the one that's basically uh the the ancestral re- not ancestral the uh, time twister so it's a land, it just has comes in it doesn't come into play tapped or anything, it's just a legendary land. Taps for blue and then you put a time counter on it. One tap, one in blue tap, remove twelve time counters from it, and then exile it to shuffle your graveyard into your hand, uh, graveyard and hand into your library, then draw seven cards only if you control a time lord. So uh, that's just everything a control player ever wanted. I just get to tick, tick, tick. And then whenever I feel like it, I can just reset everything. I don't even need to do that at sorcery speed. That's just what they want. 
There's a whole bunch of ridiculous cards in here that care about historic, which is legendary, artifact, and... Sagas. Thank you. That makes it really likely that Joda is just getting better and better as predicted. Like, there's this card, Nanogene Conversion, three and a blue for a sorcery. Choose target creature you control. Let's say it's Joda. Each other creature becomes a copy of that creature until end of turn, except it isn't legendary. So Joda gives bonuses equal to all the other legends on the table. If you have six creatures and they're all Jodas, then they're all giving each other plus six plus six. Yep. That's, that's, that's high on the ridiculousness. GG's. <laughs> I, I hope you've got a plan for that. Uh, there's an As For Told reprint in here. Uh, pretty deep reprints on mid-tier cards. Lot, lots, uh, lots of relevant mid, mid-tier card reprints. Carpet of Flowers, the Storm-Carved Coast uh, land cycle, the Sunbaked Canyon land cycle from MH1, Thespian Stage with really sweet art, War Room, the Mindstone we mentioned, Wedding Ring, Heroic Intervention, Snuff Out, Lots of stuff in here. Did you... Uh, so when you two did not have a chance to talk about the foolishness that is Everybody Lives, right? Uh, everybody Lives, one and a white for an instant. All creatures gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Players gain hexproof until end of turn. Players can't lose life this turn, and players can't lose the game or win the game this turn. Some jerk is going to pop this on an Isochron Scepter and just sit there with this big damn smirk on his face and when you wipe that smirk off his face, uh, you can feel free to uh, at me on Twitter because they, they deserve this. I can't believe they printed this stupid card. Yet another Teferi's Protection-esque card that is going to give white players the chance to influence the game, king make, etc. Uh, can also help them hold the initiative or the monarch, which is something a lot of white decks are doing in EDH these days. And yeah, that's that's a very flexible card and has to be right up there in the you know potential top five cards in the set. How about uh, reverse the polarity for one blue blue? Choose one, counter all other spells, which uh, I think we saw with the overload red blue spell. Uh, you counter everything else, or switch each creature's power and toughness on end of turn, or creatures can't be blocked this turn. That's just a lot of options there. And I think you're going to see a lot of blue players want to run a card that can mess with everybody else so easily. Because with with that, you can just decide, oh, look, I'm going to uh, kill target player because now they can't block anything. Haha. <laughs> I like two things on my commander cards. I like political cards where I can pre-negotiate the outcome. And, <laughs> and one of the ways that you can help get yourself in a position to get the maximum benefit out of that is having a an extreme amount of flexibility on your cards adventure cards add some flexibility and a card like this with these three very distinct modes also very very cool and in spells matters lists where you're trying to copy your spells you could copy this and get both modes going and do all sorts of damage to the the current board state yeah there's there's a lot of foolishness in these decks uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the 12th Doctor as the commander all over the place. So the first spell you cast from anywhere other than your hand each turn has Demonstrate. So you've got to figure out ways to cast things from Exile or Foretell or from the top of your library or whatever. But then you get to give other people spells. And I'm sure that we would only give spells that only have good effects, right? We definitely wouldn't do shenanigans like Pact of the Titan or anything like that, would we? We're not that <laughs> kind of people. Where you're expecting to be able to play, pay for it, but the black player definitely cannot? Well, everybody else has to pay for it before I will. 
Well, not everybody else. You choose an opponent with demonstrate. Uh, oh, I choose an opponent. I thought somehow I thought it was everybody. Maybe I'm thinking of Hive Mind, which will probably go up in price when people start building their twelfth Doctor decks. There, there is certainly a ton of support here for Tom Bombadil, the right sagas matters commander at a Lord of the Rings because there's a so many new sagas here and and also cards that support sagas and you know you've got a card like heaven sent blue red investigate on the first and second times and then heaven sent deals one damage to each opponent then if an opponent has zero or less life draw seven cards otherwise exile heaven sent and you may cast it this turn so if you're trying god (laughs) if you're playing something like gearson where you're looking to turn ones into threes and you tend to run things like Copper Tablet and other nonsense that's going to drain the table quickly and accelerate the pace of the game. Heaven Sent is the kind of thing you hold in your hand until you know it's going to kill somebody, and then you draw seven <laughs> and set up to get get wrecked with the rest of the table. We're also going to see some fun fifth Doctor lists, uh, two white-blue for a 2-2. Two, two. With peaceful coexistence at the beginning of your end step, put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control that didn't attack or come into play this turn, and untap those creatures. I feel like we're going to find some ways to abuse the bejesus out of that card. Honestly, because all of the Doctors can have a companion, and they can be matched with a companion of any color, there are many options for mixing Doctors. And we're actually talking about maybe doing a Doctor Who-only EDH League in pro trader because <laughs> it's th- there's a lot of play in these there four, four decks and a lot of ways that you can mix them up and then add some cards and and have a pretty sweet scenario i i have a feeling this is the kind of set like clb that will be misunderstood because people won't parse it quickly enough and then you know a couple of years from now you're going to see something like a monster manual out of the set get activated by some other new commander and there's just going to be these cards on like a onesie twosie basis per month that become relevant after they've been overlooked for a long time i have been looking at the dalek emperor uh five black red affinity for daleks and other daleks you control have haste and then at the beginning of combat each opponent faces a villainous choice that player sacrifices a creature they control or you create a 3-3 black Dalek artifact creature token with Menace. So you immediately get a 3-3 Menace attacker or they sack a dude. And I like some of the Dalek accessories that are going on with this. We'll see the changelings definitely have an impact as well. But when you're building around new types, like we saw the mirror go crazy and everything, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what people put together with uh, given this level of shenanigans. Oddly enough, that's not even my favorite dalek commander i'm i'm looking at cult of scarrow to build one grixis for a four four dalek and when it attacks you choose one at random either you put a plus one plus one counter on each artifact creature you control or you draw two cards or you create a new three three dalek with menace they always have menace and or each opponent loses four life those are all up those are all good there's no bad that's true there's no bad options there so you just you just load up your deck with lightning greaves and a bunch of equipments that make it hard for these things to get blocked and you just swing out and have and then use the red cards that give you multiple attack steps and hope that you luck into each opponent loses for life like two times in a row yep that that guy he's he's made you know plus i get to run a creature that's got a type of alien scientist i mean come on who doesn't want to play uh i'm sorry i'm looking at the dalek creator who has 
the similar ones. How do I say these things? Whenever it attacks, they con sec jast. <laughs> Which one are you looking at? The Cult of Scaro. Whenever it okay. attacks, choose one at random. Put a 1-1 one, one counter, draw two cards, create a 3-3, three, three, or each opponent loses four. Mm-hmm. It has the ability. Is it they con sec jast? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, the names okay. of, the, of the cult? Yes. Yeah. That looks yeah, that's correct. cool. Uh, all of them, the master is, is another time Lord in Dr. Who. That's like the evil Dr. Who and all of the master cards all look good and mm-hmm. they can, they can be played in, in decks together, uh, because this is a Grixis build that has Grixis options at the top end, but you can also build around almost any of these give you some examples they have the master multiplied four black red four three time lord rogue it's got myriad which means that when it attacks you make copies of it but it says the legend rule doesn't apply to creature tokens you control so when you copy the master multiplied none of its tokens uh die due to the legend rule and then triggered abilities you control can't cause you to sacrifice or exile creature tokens you control. The thing with Myriad is, at the end of combat, the tokens go away. That's what people have you know, gotten used to with things like Battle Angels of Tear. But with the Master Multiplied, you make, if you have three opponents, you make three more copies. Uh, sorry, two more copies. So you have three, and then you keep them. And then on the next turn, each of those three attacks, and they get to split and attack your opponents, and you get nine... And then you get 27? Uh, I believe you are counting correctly, yes. So that's fun. <laughs> and you get to put Helm of the Host in that deck and a bunch of other the Myriad cards in here. And that's just going to be a very unique commander at the table that it doesn't really get rolling till the, the mid to late game because of the casting cost. And you got to keep it in pl- enough of the copies in play. And so it's going to become this war of attrition where your opponents are trying to make sure that the masters all get blocked and killed. So you can't, can't get too much out of it, but you're sometimes you're just going to let it die and use a black spell to reanimate it and get going again. And it's going to be pretty fun. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. They also showed us the master mesmerist two blue black for a three, three time Lord rogue being a rogue, being relevant in those colors for sure. Target creature, tap, target creature and opponent controls with power less than or equal to the master's power, gain skulk until end of turn, goad it. Goad is one of the more powerful abilities in commander right now because it really messes with people's game plans. And if you have a bunch of goad effects, it just gets better and better. Whenever a creature with skulk deals combat damage to one of your opponents, put a plus one, plus one counter on the master and draw a card. This has like shades of Ariette and some other commanders from this year where you're helping your opponent's creatures deal damage to your, sorry, you're helping one opponent's creature deal damage to your opponents. It's kind of like the same way you play, oh, what's the red transformer? Slicer. When, when Slicer is on the board, right. you're trying to make Slicer bigger and nastier, you know, get it double strike and then boost its power, protect it so that every time it's like swinging out from one of your opponents to one of your other opponents, it's just decimating the table. And the Master Mesmerist is really nice because you're going to play some cards that make him bigger, and then you're going to give your opponent's biggest stuff Goad and Skulk, and then it's going to hit, and the Master gets bigger, which makes it easier to do the next time, and then you draw a card. And if you've got ways to untap him multiple times in the same turn, then you could go to somebody's entire board and leave them wide open to get cracked back. It's going to be really fun. (laughs) That looks like exactly my kind of political EDH. It does seem uh, pretty awesome. 
They also showed us the Master Gallifrey's End, two black red for a 4-3 time Lord, Lord Rogue. Make them pay is the ability. Whenever a non-token artifact creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do, choose an opponent with the most life among your opponents. That player faces a villainous choice. They lose four life, or you create a token that's a copy of that card. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So things like a, a solemn simulacrum dies. They can take four life or give you another one. That's that's quite the villainous choice. And yeah, uh, these these master cards, they, they clearly... Uh, we're we're trying to push them uh, for play. Also, it's no, worth noting that the last uh, one. Well, it's not a, a master, but it is uh, one of the time lords, uh, the Valyard, the Valyard. I don't know how we say it in British, but the uh, two Grixes for a four-five. If an opponent would face a villainous choice, they face that choice an additional time. Yeah. And then while voting, you may vote an additional time. Yeah. Just all of the voting cards are nicely balanced and this just throws this way off and i love everything about it and it's a shame that we only have a handful of cards with uh villainous choices I i'm sure that's something they can go go back to down the road absolutely should, should yeah. they so choose uh they showed us return the past this is an enchantment for six as long as it's your turn each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback equal to its mana cost yeah, that I, seems ridiculous. There's a dinosaur in here that might see some price movement in fancy versions heading into the dinosaur season. Five double red for a 5-5 five, five menace. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, Flaming Tyrannosaurus deals three damage to any target. Then put a plus one plus one counter on Flaming Tyrannosaurus. When it dies, it deals damage equal to its power to each opponent. Yeah. Nothing like printing dinosaur stuff right before we get another dinosaur set. I love it. They planned this one really, really well. The uh, There's been a lot of attention on the, the green dinosaur that's ridiculously big and huge. Five green green, seven seven. Uh, historic permanents you control come into play with as a seven seven dinosaur. Yeah. So treasures are dinosaurs. Treasures are dinosaurs. Clues are dinosaurs. Clues are dinosaurs. So, uh, and investigate tokens are dinosaurs. That in a, in a lot of decks that focus on those tokens, this is going to be a better Avenger of Zendikar. Yes, it absolutely is. And that's a card that still sees play plenty in in token and lands matters decks. Um, yeah, that one's really good. Probably one of the top five. Uh, they also displaced, showed us. Displaced. I'm sorry. Displaced dinosaurs is what it's called. Yeah. They also showed us twice upon a time four double blue. It's got a unlikely meeting adventure side search your library for a doctor card reveal it put it in your hand that's just a handy tutor in a doctor's matters deck and then cast a spell only if you control two or more doctors so it leads one leads into the other take an extra turn after this one exile twice upon a time so you've got a time walk stapled to a tutor that sets up the time walk probably an auto include if you've got a few doctors in your deck it seems like it yeah the same deck is going to give us uh, this flatline card, two and a blue. Creatures your com opponents control have base power and toughness, zero, one until end of turn. Against everything but uh, counters matters decks, that is ridiculous, and I'm looking forward to hearing stories about this card blowing people out. Yeah, I think this one's really good and, and probably un underestimated in terms of the impact it'll have. One of the things that you're looking for to figure out staples coming out of commander decks is how widely applicable are they and are they independent of theme so for instance twice upon a time 
great card in a doctor deck i don't look at it as a spec per se because i don't think the doctor decks are going to be a large enough percentage of the overall field of edh but there's a lot of just generically good commander cards in in these decks and arguably maybe top three commander releases ever in terms of in terms of total number of relevant reprints and total number of fresh playable cards i i think an argument can be made there might be more relevant commander cards in the Doctor Who decks than there are in the Lord of the Rings releases combined, it would be close. There's a lot of good Lord of the Rings cards, but there's also a lot of good cards in here. Um, I'm one looking of the, at uh, Confession Dial, the artifact that goes, so it goes into any one. When it enters into Battlefield Surveil 3 and it's a 3-drop, but tap target legendary creature card in your graveyard gains escape until end of turn, equal to its mana cost, plus exile three other cards. So you can just start recurring your legendary creatures over and over again because the escape doesn't make you exile it. In Jota and all the things that are like Jota, yeah. Like in, in Jota, this is crazy because it lets me let... When Jota starts to cost like 11, <laughs> I can just let, just let, let Jota... Yeah, just let it go to the yard, surveil, and, and then play this, surveil three, put some other stuff in the yard and figure out what's supposed to come back. Love it. Uh, out of time, grasp of fate, clock spinning reprints in here. A fractured identity reprint. Talismans are in here, including one where the doctor's wearing 3D glasses for blue red. The red white talisman is a, just a picture of his bow tie. Uh, that's <laughs> that's interesting. The talisman of impulse is a guitar. I mean, there's a picture. The green white one is just a picture of celery, as far as I can tell. Maybe it's a radish. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, it's it's celery. Well, it's just yeah, a picture the, the of flavor celery. text tells you yeah um for those of you that watch doctor who of a different generation tom baker has his as a white blue talisman it's just the a great picture of the scarf quite frankly it's just amazing i i think this is some really impressive thematic choices and i we you and i were talking about this uh, a little bit before the cast some of the art on here is fantastic and wonderful and others, it's really clear that just generic human is not something some of these artists really just kind of excel at. I, I think some of this looks rushed. Some of these pieces look okay. like things that might have been ordered late in the process where the artist didn't have a lot of time. I've been an art director long enough to know that often when art is not superb, it's partial, might have something to do with the artist's skill, but it could also just be poor art direction. Either they got bad instructions or or they got told to make it a certain way that left little room for interpretation. And, and they, you know, they were told you have to have a celery on a piece of, on a pillow and it's going to look photorealistic. They're like, Hmm. okay, here's a fucking, here's a piece of celery. (laughs) You get, you get what you asked for. Enjoy. So some of the, some of this art is very disappointing. Some of it's pretty solid. Here's a weird one. One of the other master cards is a little more of a head scratcher. The master formed a new blue black zero one time lord rogue body thief. When you cast the spell, you may exile a creature you control and put a takeover counter on it. You may have the master formed enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature card in exile with a takeover counter on it. You can keep doing that because as long as you have stuff exiled this way. Yeah. So like. Against a deck that was pacifying your creatures a bunch of times, this is pretty cool. I guess I could have used it <laughs> when Sloan uh, pacified my Atraxa the other day, but I'm having trouble picturing the the circumstances outside of that where I would want this. Think of it like a like a uh, Swiss Army knife kind of a thing, because you've got uh, fun comes into play stuff. You've got 
huge things, whatever you want. The only real downside to this is you are giving yourself the disadvantage of it has to be a creature in play. It's not a creature in your graveyard. It's not a creature in your hand. But it's something that you made the effort to put it into play. And then you get another copy of it when it comes in. But the fun part is you can have it keep coming back as that same thing if you really wanted to. Or you can have something else that it does. Oh, I see. So we build this deck with Ravenous Chupacabra and uh, Baleful Strix and stuff like that. And then you just keep casting the Master and bouncing it back to your hand with Crystal Shard and so yes. forth. And that stuff that you've got sitting in Exile just becomes a becomes a utility toolbox that the Master gets to use later. Bet, like, exactly. With broader and broader options as the game progresses. Yeah, that's fun. And also a very unique commander. So again... The master cards all look pretty interesting to me. There's a Cursed Mirror reprint, another Beast Within reprint, a bunch of stuff you'd expect like Farseek and Growth Spiral and, and the like, Reliquary Tower and so forth. All, you know, some great art, some not so great. Uh, Ashad, the Lone Cyberman, is another great Grixis commander. One Grixis for 3-3 legendary artifact creature the first non-legendary artifact spell you cast each turn has casualty two which means you can sack a creature with power two or greater when you do you copy the the other artifact uh you copy the other the artifact, artifact spell yes that, that you were casting so you're casting Aetherflux reservoir into a solemn simulacrum on the table you sack the solemn get the benefit from that you get and you end up with two things that can hit people for 50 eventually love it love everything about it and whenever you sack another another creature put a plus one plus one counter on a shod so you get to use all the the usual blood artist shenanigans lifeline and that kind of nonsense oh there's going to be plenty of nonsense going on we we know that for sure probably the the biggest card in the whole set has to be the new blue card cyber conversion. If I had to pick one card, standout card that just looks super obvious as being very widely applicable, this has got to be in the top three, if if not the first. This is just an instant for two blue, turn target creature face down. It's a 2-2 Cyberman artifact creature. So this is not the first time that white, blue, or green has had ways of handling a commander. You know, this this does what Chaos Warp used to do, tuck somebody's commander before they change the rules. This actually tucks somebody's commander for two blue. Because right. they, they they now have to have to find a way for it to die. Or it's just gonna get left like that forever. And people are probably just gonna let it through and not bother to block it until it's beneficial for them to unlock that person's commander. So I thought that uh the new Capenna version of this in too deep. It's uh, an aura for double blue, and it turns Enchanted Creature into a clue. I thought that would be a much bigger deal, but they, they'll just sacrifice the thing, draw a card, and move on to the next. This, they have to like run it into combat or wait for somebody to attack them or find some way to bounce it for themselves. That's it. There's no built-in way for it to, to redo. Yeah. So th- this this is an important card. It's It's going to see plenty of play, and people are going to be salty when their commanders get locked down with it. I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, me the immortal decks that that come out. Yeah. Also, um, also a strong. That one's Grixis too, isn't it? No, it's uh, Teamer. It's Teamer, uh, green, right. blue, red. So it's a three three for two green, blue, red. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put your choice of a one one first strike vigilance or menace counter on this creature. Counters remain on it as it removes to any other zone other than hand or library. 
and you may cast it from your graveyard by discarding two cards in addition to paying its other costs. So if, like you said, if the cost to replay it from the command zone is too high, well, let it go to the yard, chuck two cards, and pay five mana to get it back. So yeah. this is going to be one of those, I keep it in play, I add more counters, I throw some equipment on it, and I just start breaking face all over the joint. Uh, speaking of myriad relevant cards, they're going to play well with that master that loves myriad. Cyberman Squadron is seven mana for a 5-5. Five, five artifact creature non-legendary artifact creatures you control have myriad so if you play that in that master deck this thing attacks and all your other artifact creatures attack they all myriad good luck calculating that one you got like three (laughs) three other artifact creatures you you play this and the master's in play i'm just going to kick back and let you do the math and let me know if i'm dead i i do both love and despise decks that turn into calculus problems it's true they also have a a, there's a thing called cyberman patrol which is a two two for two that says artifact creatures you control have a flicked three. So any artifact creature that gets blocked, that player loses three life regardless. That's insane when you have Myriad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they got they got a lot the Myriad deck has a lot of pieces of the puzzle here that have been kind of spoon fed to you. They also showed us Vashta Narada, two and a black for a one-one alien horror with indestructible and shadow. And at the beginning of each end step, if a creature died this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Vashta Narada. This has a, like a true name nemesis feel to it because it's not going to be too long before this thing's bigger than a true name nemesis and nobody can do anything about it. Well, it's each end step. That's good. Shadow means it will never block something, but you just get to start uh, digging in and, and ticking up the the bad things. And so, yes... We're going to have a lot of people reminded how unfun an ability Shadow really is. I think this is the only card in the whole set with Shadow. This is such a wordy damn set, man. In in something like Xur the Enchanter, I'm going to go get, I'm going to have like a curiosity to slap on this or something, or I'm going to go get Aren't get, you just a peach? Or you get like Jesus. gift, get, get <laughs> gift of immortality on it. So if they find some way to kill it, <laughs> like making you sacrifice it, it still comes back into play. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that's a unique effect and, and, and a card to watch because there's going to be a bunch of commanders that can make that work. Vizsler Turlo is a 2-5 for 3 and a black. When it enters the battlefield, you have may have an opponent gain control of it. If you do, it's goaded for as long as they control it. At the beginning of your end step, draw a card, then you lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. <laughs> so this is like the new sleeper agent. So right. you, give the, you give this to them. It's unfortunate that it's goaded. But people, again, will just let it through because they want them right. to be stuck with it. So, yeah, it's going to get in for two or whatever. But you, you, And you get to draw cards, but you got to use those cards to kill kill this thing because otherwise you're going to lose four, five, six, seven a turn. And we have lots of games where somebody ends up with a Reliquary Tower or something and has 15 cards in hand. I have tons of Muldrotha turns where I, I start the turn with 12 or 13 cards in hand. Yeah, well, in that case, uh, we should talk about, uh, what is it, the Sycorax Commander, 2 black red, for a 4-2 first strike haste. And when it comes into play, each opponent has a villainous choice. That opponent discards all the cards in their hands, then draws that many minus one, or it deals damage to that player equal number of cards in hand. What you really want is some way to flicker this stupid thing and just make the pain eternal. Yeah. There's also the Beast, Deathless Prince, two black-red for a 6-6 demon. When you cast the spell, gain control of target creature until end of turn, untap it, it gains menace and haste. 
The beast enters the battlefield tapped with six stun counters on it, but whenever a creature deals combat damage to its owner, untap the beast and draw a card. So this one, you're building a bunch of stuff with, like, Ariette's uh, Tempting Apple and a whole bunch of other steel effects. Just steal it all and goad it all. And you're, yeah, exactly. You're just going to goad and, and steal and eventually unlock your, your commander. Uh, I want to play, I'm going to eventually build a commander deck of just cards that make me laugh. And Toymaker's Trap is high on the list at, for two and a black for an enchantment. At your upkeep, secretly choose a number from one to five that has not yet been chosen. Then they then target opponent guesses the number. If that guess is wrong, they lose that much life, and you draw a card. If they were right, sacrifice the trap. Now it doesn't play endlessly because you you know have to keep track of what numbers have been chosen already. But that's just going to make me laugh every it's time. It's too fun. It's too fun. It's too much fun. I'll put a slot. I'll take a much better card out of a deck and put that in any Much better day. card. <laughs> and and if you don't understand why you do that, you shouldn't be playing Commander. <laughs> That's Commander is not even when you win a game of Commander, you basically just got lucky. It's just everything spooled out the way that was best mm-hmm. for you. But you're going to be much more legendary amongst your play group when you do stuff like that. Like Alexis brought a deck to the table last week or the week two weeks ago with the pro traders while you were gone that included bottle of suleiman in it oh so she, hell yeah she basically just won the game when she revealed the card like it didn't really matter what happened after that because it was bottle of suleiman so did they they did they ever actually errata the card so you can't pump a bunch of a bunch of mana into it i have no idea none of us cared it was just it's like are you seriously <laughs> playing that card is amazing Draw cards equal to the highest mana value among historic permanents you control has the potential to draw a lot for four mana. Um, they also showed us Banished to Another Universe, which is basically a fresh uh, exile effect in white for the Legends Matters and, and Artifacts Matters decks uh, because it has affinity for historic permanents. So if you're playing Joda or you're playing Brea or anything else that cares about that stuff or Tom Bombadil for Sagas... This is going to cat you if you and you have at least four of those things in play. This costs one mana, so it's basically a leyline binding by another name. It's pretty great stuff. We're going to get a fresh new round of uh, token fun in uh, terms of well, uh, Reston the Monoptera leader for X yep. green green white flying comes into play with X counters on it, which is already uh, pretty disgusting. When it comes into play, get X green uh, one and one white one one white alien insect tokens with flying. And whenever you attack with insects, put a one one counter on each of them. So give your tokens haste and just dome somebody with a bunch of two two flyers. We're gonna see a lot of fun stuff going on with that. Yeah. So anyway, Doctor Who cards look awesome, and I cannot wait to play with them. Lots of good options here. And I, we saw, I think somebody posted a, a video of one of the CBs being open. They look like they're going to be fun. Surge foil treatments all over the place. Where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online on Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you folks can find me online at Twitter, on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgpraise.com and my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. 
Once again, MG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. I came back just in time for things to be busy, James. Can't be any more fun than this. As per usual, thank you, Cliff. Great to have you back, and we will see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.